Welcome to No Gods, No Master Volumes. I'm Simon, I'm a record producer, musician, and I make pedal demos as Tunnel of Reverb. And I'm Guion, I run Holy Island Audio, a one-man effects pedal operation from Wales. In this episode, we talk to Dave Jordan from Non-Human Audio. Dave is relatively new to the pedal game, but you may know him from his pedal Slow Loris, or his more recent release, Mocking Blur. We talk to Dave about his design process, scaling up from a build-to-order operation, and Dave hits us with some questions of his own. So if we start at the beginning, uh, when did you start experimenting with electronics? My history with electronics is very scattered and random through the past. Um, I always knew like a little bit about it. Like I had a soldering iron and I would like change the pickups in my guitar. Very much like a tinkerer kind of person. So like doing something like that the challenge of like learning how to do it wasn't scary for me or anything. I was just like, I could figure out how to do this. This It's two wires. Like how hard can this be kind of thing? And so I did that a little bit like in the past. And at one point my ex-wife had gotten me a little um, noisemaker synthesizer kit, which, you know, was just like, here's all the parts you need. This is where you put them, put it together kind of thing, which was really fun. It didn't really like develop into anything. Yeah. At, at most, it was just like a, a fun little project um, to kind of like give me more soldering skills, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really develop into anything. That didn't lead to me building pedals or anything like that. Um, and then around the beginning of the pandemic, I built a few guitars. So, since again, since I'm always a Tinkering with stuff, I was like, you know, I was building a Telecaster. Or actually, no, that's not true. I was building an Esquire in the first place. And I was like, like, tone knobs are useless to me. They preach. They roll off way too much yeah. high end. Same, yeah. yeah. So, like, how do I change it so the tone knob only rolls off a little bit of high end mm-hmm. instead of a lot? Yeah. I was like, okay, so this capacitor thing is what controls that. If I change the size of that, Gwen, I'm sure you've experienced the the explanation of these things online is like not clear. No, be like, well, raise raise the value, and you're like, well, which which way is raising yeah. the value? It doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. like no no one is like change it from a point or seven to a point two two or whatever it might be. I think it skips the initial uh, like very beginning and already assumes that people know at least the base education and stuff, which Absolutely. how would you, yeah. unless, unless you've worked with that before, you just wouldn't know. Uh, but yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, no. And you, you and I have talked about this. We have a similar self-taught getting to this. We're not, we didn't mm-hmm. go to school. We're not engineers. So like, nope. I didn't have that knowledge. So just started experimenting, tried this capacitor, tried that capacitor till I found out like, Oh, this, really small value is what I want. Yeah. And then I built like another guitar and I was like, well, how can I mess with this wiring? And then I built another one. And I was like, around that time I found out, I'm not sure exactly, but how I found out about it, but it was like, came across the, um, the reverend bass cut circuit. Okay, yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, what if I put that in a Telecaster, but only on the neck pickup? 
So then, cause like I've never really liked neck pickups cause they're always yeah. too bassy. So I was like, well, what if I can just trim a little bit of the bass? So then I kind of learned to do that. And then that just building those couple of guitars gave me my like initial real world experience of like, how does this work? I guess it's that spark as well of the, the problem solving element where you're like, well, I want it to do this. Mm-hmm. And then initially figuring out what you actually need to do to, to get achieve what it is you're trying to do. That's like a pretty nice little light bulb moment. I think at the start of Absolutely. building. Yeah. Time. And then around that time, I started getting back into pedals. Like I was really into pedals in my early twenties in a band and I had, you know, one of those 20 pedal pedal boards at the time. And like, yeah. I started getting back into it and I, you know, this was even really just a couple years ago, I feel like was maybe not like the beginning, but definitely a heyday of like crazy, awesome pedals that I just never knew about. Yeah. For it was like death by audio and Caroline. And like, we're still talking about like relatively big people, that led to mask audio or Holy Island. And like, it kind of got me into these more boutique and more interesting places. And, uh, the band I was in at the time was really just kind of like a college rock punk kind of like replacements kind of band. So I didn't really have a use for all that stuff. So that's actually when I started my band Miserable Things, because I was like, I have all these pedals and no use for them. So like, <laughs> yeah. why don't I just like start a new project that gives me this avenue to do to use all these crazy effects and sounds mm-hmm. and everything. And I was always searching for like the biggest fuzz sound I could find. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. Like I got close. Yeah. The fuzz war gets pretty close. And like the death by audio like waveformer destroyer like can get pretty close yeah like none of them were quite right and i i distinctly remember watching christian lembeck's rig rundown and seeing that like his guitar tone for whores is essentially a big muff yeah, yeah. And i was like that's it like he's <laughs> using a big muff like i had a big muff when i was like mm-hmm. 23 it didn't sound like that yeah 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 you know so then I went down the Big Muff rabbit hole. I, I got another black one and got like a couple of the reissues. I just started having the brain I have. I just started reading more about them and learning about them. And like, I was at my friend's shop. He's an amp tech. And I was telling him about all this and how I was like learning about them. And he was like, well, I have uh, one of those green ones sitting around. Oh, yeah. Like, do you want yeah. to borrow it? I was like, you just have one. You just have a. <laughs> yeah. You just have a Russian big muff just sitting around. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I do want to borrow it. Of course, I want to borrow it. <laughs> and I got it home and I plugged it in, and it was the sound. Yeah, it was yeah. it was it's a it's a tall font. Like, you no, know, it's what kind of well established that like they're all a little different. Yeah, but I've never had another tall font, so I don't know if mine is special, like I plugged it in and I was just like, Oh, this is the sound. It was just <laughs> yeah. thick and full and just like huge. Yeah. Anybody that's ever played one of those pedals knows they are fragile and finicky, even though they're built like, like the enclosures are built like a landmine. Yeah. Like yeah. the switches are garbage. The pots are garbage. The jacks are plastic. 
And also at the time I've bu- I've since bought it, but like at the time it was my friend's pedal. I was like, I can't play yeah, shows. With me. Yeah. yeah. Like this fragile pedal that's not even mine. I can't subject it to abuse. Cause I'm not light on my stuff too. Like I will stomp mm-hmm. and I will throw my guitar and like, I'm, I'm kind of an idiot like that. I'm the same. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we're probably all a little yeah, bit. We're in a room of yeah. idiots right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but through like, learning about big muffs i learned every big muff has the exact same schematic yeah just variation Mm -hmm. so the light bulb went off i was like well i can't afford you know this four or five hundred dollar tall font i can afford like a seventy dollar used newer one and if I get like, I don't know, I, I had no idea, but I was like, maybe like $5 worth of parts. I know how to solder. If I just get one of those and switch out the parts that need to get switched out. And then I have this I've recreated this big muff. Yeah. Um, so I did. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> but I followed the schematic, you know, there's those schematics are out there. And like, I followed mm-hmm. the schematic and it didn't sound the same. Because, like I said, mine. There's something special about mine. Tolerances mm. and all sorts. Exactly. I mean, there is there is a site, isn't there? God knows what it's got. It's, it's definitely like BigMuff.com. Something very obvious, but it's just got the Big Muff it page. Chronicles them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if any builder hasn't stared at that for hours, I don't know. Like, right. It's... And that's that's the schematic I followed. Okay. It wasn't yeah. the same. Mm-hmm. So that led to me starting to tweak it by ear. Okay. Yeah. Which was like, okay, mine, mine sounds a little bit louder. Well, what do I need to tweak to make this a little bit louder? What resistor mm-hmm. is where, what capacitor is where to like make low end a little bigger or like mid range scoop isn't quite the same. So essentially that was just my, real introduction to it that's how i learned how to read schematics that's how i learned like really what capacitors are doing where what resistors are doing where and um, that's really how i got into it because like once i did that and it worked i was like well let me try recreating a ram's head let me try recreating (laughs) this other one let me try recreating this other one and then eventually i just had enough spare parts laying around but i was like well i tried building something from scratch mm-hmm. and i just built a fuzz face like a point-to-point fuzz face i had yeah. uh one of the old muff boards that i had like messed up mm-hmm. i basically like stripped stripped it stripped all the traces off of it and point-to-point wired a fuzz face on that board mm-hmm. <laughs> using the existing holes and and part placement yeah it worked and then i was like <laughs> okay let me yeah. let me see what else i can try and do mm. let me see if i maybe i can design my own thing you know and i was kind of like i know what makes a big muff tick you know what makes a fuzz face tick now let me it's opening those doors you sort of like unlock it bit by bit don't you it's I, it's yeah. I, yeah there's no better feeling than unlocking that one bit and it solves a problem that you were having previously that you couldn't get your head around. It's mm-hmm. a, it's like a snowball effect, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And so 
this weirdly just came up. Somebody commented on one of my TikToks just like yesterday or two days ago at like, and I, the, the amount of time that's passed from that moment to now is like shockingly short. Like that's a thing that like, I feel not weird about, but anybody that's ever created anything in industry, they admire, there's always imposter syndrome. Oh, what they're doing. And like, that's where a lot of it is rooted for me because like, I know guys like you and I know guys like Alec that have been doing this for so long, so long. I mean, like, you know, yeah, I mean, people get the impression uh, for me personally, because I was screen printing stuff anyway, printing pedals, that was the easiest part, I guess. Whereas for other right. people, that would be like the final thing. So it's only like from a perspective of someone else, I guess, that it looks like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, just I'm making it up as I go along, do you know? Like, and I think yeah. a lot of people are. And I mean, I, you meet people who have been in the industry for years, and they're doing the same thing. It's like it's it's not exclusively the smaller people. I think I, I find it really weirdly encouraging. I don't know if that would put other people off pedals or whatever yeah. buying stuff, but I, I really like yeah. that side of things. Yeah, I don't know. It's that's just where a lot of my imposter syndrome lies mm -hmm. because um, I've talked to Andy, uh, Andy Othling for those listening yeah. about this, that like, so Andy's been really huge in helping boost my signal and get a lot of attention, my stuff. But the reality of the situation is that like, I kind of stumbled into quote unquote hit pedal very early. You know, and for those listening, this is the slow Loris, which is, if you know about me, it's probably because of that. And I met Andy when I first started, which really was just about a year ago. Even if he posted about something that I was doing, it probably wouldn't have moved the needle very much because what I was doing wasn't that interesting. My first couple pedals, I were fine. And, you know, like the cave bear was like the very first one. And that's one that some people really like. And the goblin shark was pretty early, but like they're fuzz pedals and it's really hard to get a lot of people really excited just about a fuzz pedal. Yeah. You're swimming against the tide, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, there's countless fuzz pedals out there and there's countless amazing fuzz pedals out there mm -hmm. and you are going up against some of the absolute most well-known pedals in the world like the fuzz yeah. factory and the fuzz war mm -hmm. and like these are pedals that i mean who 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 that plays guitar at this point hasn't heard of the fuzz factory yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean and, and like so i was doing this stuff and it, they're decent they're good pedals i think but like weren't really doing much i feel like that's kind of uh Interesting tidbit that like when people do find out about me, um, they don't realize that it, I, I really, you know, I started selling pedals. I had done some custom one-off pedals, but like I started yeah. sell, selling pedals last July. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. It moved so quick. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was selling one or two a month and doing entirely build to order. And then, you know, the slow lowers happened and then everything changed a combination of a lot of things you know when was the first drop of slow loris 
that is a good question. Um, <laughs> actually, hold on. I can find out exactly. Um, I wish. I think I bought mine in in June. Late March. Okay. Late March. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Late March was first the first drop. Because we traded, we traded one pre yeah, so, board, right? Right. Yeah. So you and I traded earlier. You, mm-hmm. Yours is on Vero. Yeah. Board. Yeah. Um, that was you would have had yours in like January. Yeah, I very much am not very good at paying attention to what time it is in the year. But yeah, <laughs> that's when I started. That's when I had the first couple. That's like when I had mm-hmm. the first one that I made and. That was on my board for a long time. And the one I made for you. And yeah, you were actually you you have the only other Vero board version besides mine. Oh sick. Cool. That can be my claim to fame. Yeah. <laughs> After I built yours, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> like, I need to get PCBs <laughs> designed to this. I can't. Like this is too too. I think much. that's totally fair. Um I definitely had that same mental process as well you can know it's such a long process to do it as well i guess and weirdly i think feel like people well i mean i'd assume a pcb would be more reliable but definitely takes more work to make something that isn't necessarily you know as solid as a pcb would be yeah well you know for something like that too when i was doing fuzz pedals in the past it's like stripboard and vera board are easy you know i'm dealing yeah. with a couple of transistors there's enough space it's not like a big deal but something like the slow loris that has ic preamp and a 16 pin delay chip in it mm-hmm. organizing that on a piece of vera board that's you know mm. two inches by two inches is like yeah it's a pretty big challenge to get yeah, all yeah. that. Any solder traces and the thing doesn't work. It's yeah, exactly. Mentally it's exhausting. <laughs> so yeah, the late 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 March was when the first batch sold. Simon, I don't remember when you got yours. June. It's like number forty or something. So I'm see here. Second drop. Forty-one. Oh, yeah, forty-one. <laughs> Wait, I, have you got them written down? Have you got some sort of Excel sheet? Yeah, so I actually do. Um, and I I just started doing this, and I was doing everything build to order. Is because I oh, yeah. it was important to me to keep track of like who had what. Um, I was mostly selling to my friends, but I would sell some around, and it was more of like a mental thing of like, well, if one gets sold, and then that person sells it to somebody else person sells it to somebody else then it breaks i need to repair it i just kind of want to know like whose it was i don't know why like that's not important but like it was just interesting to me to kind of like have that tracked so i just started keeping track of that and like when i was selling two or three at a time it wasn't a problem yeah yeah yeah, but i'm still doing it for the slow loris and everything else even though there's been 135 of them but it is helpful because it it helps me track like if i sold it cash or if i did a trade or yeah um kind of notoriously there's a guy who i won't 
mention his name, but like buys everything that's limited and then tries to flip it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Simon, you probably know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, like yeah. bought a really slow Loris and put it on reverb immediately. Oh. Three times what I charge for it. So I made a note in my document. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been thinking about doing that as well. Just like, cause it's, it's so frustrating. And especially when there's people like, who really just would like to play it. It's such, it's yeah. so frustrating to see something be sold and th- as just something to make money. It's so, I, I don't know. I definitely take it too personal. Like I shouldn't well, why be wouldn't as upset you? about it as I am. I don't know, man. Like, it's, like, these people, like the, the, you know, the whole flipping thing is like, why should they make money when you've done all the work? Like all they've done is, mm-hmm refresh the page to press buy and then list it on <laughs> fucking reverb like yeah that's bullshit yeah so if that guy ever tries to buy something else i know who he is you can just cancel i'm gonna yeah. he's gonna get canceled because <laughs> there are there are people that have reached out to me more than once because they can't they sell out yeah and these people just like miss the window they're at work like whatever it might be mm-hmm. and they're missing out on this pedal and like i somebody buys a pedal tries it doesn't like it decides to sell it that's fine yeah right? we've all done it we've all bought things we didn't click with we've all no. bought things that like we thought were going to do something that didn't they didn't do and we got rid of them right i mean it's part of the yeah. game yeah. like i have no problem with that of course but, it's trading cards exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. But flipping is a different thing mm, yeah um so i do i do Long story short, I do track. You keep a uh, a spreadsheet of everybody that's bought a pedal and where every serial number has gone. Cool. So if we see number forty one crop up on eBay, we'll <laughs> go and beat Simon up. Is it? Yeah. Well, huh? the data is there now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to sell it cash. <laughs> <laughs> where did the idea for Slow Loris come from? Where Where was that born? So that's actually a little bit of an interesting story. Um, actually, before I get into the story, when is this podcast going to come out? Uh, whenever you want. We have yeah. no plans right now. The only reason I ask is because the Mocking Blur, which is coming out in a few weeks as of this recording. <laughs> All right, this was recorded like a month ago. So Mocking Blur has obviously come out, sold out, been a master hit. But uh, watch out for the next drop and check out my demo as well. Bye. Um, the mocking blur is the kernel of where Slow Loris came from. Uh, okay. So I had done a bunch of fuzz pedals. I had gotten into some op amp drives, stuff like that. And just out of curiosity, I'm the kind of person that like, and it took it as a personal challenge to like had, you know, my pedal board and I, I see these pedals that I've made, but also these pedals that other people have made. I take it as a personal challenge of like, well, this is a really good sounding delay pedal. Maybe I can make one myself so I can have another one of my own pedals on my board. Kind of like a challenge of like, can I replace this other stuff? Yeah. With yeah. My own thing. And I I don't even know how I heard about the PT2399 chip. 
but I had heard about it somewhere of like, this is a delay chip. May have been because of the Echo Dream, or I think maybe the Caroline Kilobyte also uses the PT23. There's quite a few, yeah. There's a lot, yeah. So I have the Echo Dream, and I love the Echo Dream. I was kind of like, well, I'm using the Echo Dream for this kind of thing, this kind of delay with like a weird kind of modulation. And like, let me see if I can do that. No. So I bought some PT2399 chips from on the breadboard and just got to work. Yeah. And the results of that experiment are the mocking blur, which those of you listening is nothing like the Echo Dream (laughs) at the end. (laughs) It's not. And, and I, I never really wanted to like make the echo dream. Cause I also don't really have any desire to just do what other people have done. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no point really, is there? No, it's, exactly. Right. Well, like, at least to me, it doesn't make, doesn't make much sense. If someone's already got to that conclusion, then why do it again when uh, you could take it somewhere else? Exactly. Mm-hmm. If I I've mess around with stuff on the breadboard, I'll, I'll take some schematics and lay them out just to kind of, see what they're all about. Yeah. If I don't find something interesting in there and inspiring to like, Oh, I can twist this or I can tweak this and kind of make it my own thing. Then like, I just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't echo dream exists. I don't need mm-hmm. to remake it. There's no point. You no. Know? Yeah. So the end result of that was the mocking blur, which came very much its own different thing. The kernel of that was, let's see if I can make a delay pedal. After that, I was like, well, I made this delay pedal. And it's kind of like, I love modulation. I love chorus. I love laser, all sorts of stuff. And I was like, let me see if I can make a chorus pedal. I was like, I understand how chorus works. Mm-hmm. It's a like, microsecond delay and a pitch modulation. I figured out how to use this delay chip. Let me see if I can take this delay chip and figure out how to add an LFO to it and make a a, a chorus pedal. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's what ended up being the slow loris. Um, yeah. And Guion, you and I talked about this a little bit as I was developing it because yeah. I made first prototype. I made a couple of very specific mistakes. I had no idea I was making until way later because I made the first prototype and it did this really interesting, weird thing. And I made the second one. It didn't work the same way. And it's because in my first prototype, a whole bunch of it was broken <laughs> on the second yeah. one. All yeah. that stuff was working for some reason. <laughs> yeah. It was stuff like the LFO and like the voltage was working differently. And like, yeah. so what it ended up being is that like there was a huge chunk of that very first prototype Floloris circuit that was on this, that Vero board that did not work. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like it took, it took a little bit of figuring out before came to that conclusion, but like that was the root of the slow Loris was like, let me see if I can make a PT2399 chorus pedal. Mm. It clearly is not like when I did it on the breadboard initially, like I said, I made a couple of very specific mistakes. And as soon as I fired it up, I was like, Oh, this isn't right. This is not a chorus, but whatever this is doing is really interesting. Mm. And 
I'm going to follow this down instead. Because, like, at that point, I no longer cared about making a quote-unquote chorus pedal. I was just focused on, like, how do I refine this weird thing I've kind of stumbled across? It was a kind of immediately a, an interesting thing for pretty much everybody that heard it. Yeah. Um, I distinctly remember, like, bringing it to Andy's house. Because the first time Andy and I ever hung out, I had the mocking blur prototype, the very first one he played it and he was like, this is cool, but like it could maybe use a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I was like, okay, yeah. Like, cause that one took longer in terms of like really narrowing down the original version didn't have a blend knob. The original version had three switches. It was like different thing. And it took a couple passes before the mocking blur got to what it is. Then I think the second time I hung out with Andy, I was like, I've got this new thing that I think you're going to like. He plugged it in and he was like, oh, I want this. <laughs> he was immediately, he was like, yeah. like you need to make these. Like, this is a thing. Yeah. Like, whatever you're doing here, he's like, this is, this is cool. And yeah, after that, it was just kind of like, it seemed to fill a, a sonic hole for people that they didn't know they had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's hard to say stuff like that. Without sounding like I'm like blowing smoke. It's true though. The proof is in the sales. Yeah. And the approach to just design in that sense. I think if you're going into something and you're chasing something that isn't, you haven't necessarily conceived beforehand, it's going to, it's going to be weirder. It's going to be less uh, obvious uh, when you're trying to categorize that to explain it to someone, because you know a lot of guitar pedal marketing lies in like references to, oh, it's spawned from this or it's come from this pedal, and it's a, a lot of those, yeah, all those points right. of references yeah. have to see. Well, they seem to have to be stuff that exists. Seems to be the only way that you can explain things online, but that isn't always the case. Like it's some right. stuff just is. You can't you can't just be like, oh, it's just this, but this bit's longer or this gain control is more extreme. It's, I think people, sometimes people struggle to accept, you know, that it's like, no, it's, it's a new thing. Like it's, it's something, a different approach to it. Uh, it's quite difficult. And like when I, I started kind of building it and talking about it, like was kind of that thing is is people would be like well what kind of pedal is it and i would kind of have to be like uh, <laughs> uh hmm. i don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's uh and i would be like well you know the the kind of tagline i i throw out about it a lot is that it's like dynamically driven modulated slapback like that is what it is yeah but that is a hard thing for people to wrap their mind around yeah, I guess it's like a sort of envelope warping slapbacky thing, but that's yeah. quite difficult to put on a, you know, She's on gone. a little bit, <laughs> yeah, bit right. of a bio yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and the the kind of like lo-fi aspect of it is different. Um, mm-hmm. I think the control scheme, the simplicity of it, but the effectiveness effectiveness of it is not something that a lot of people are used to. Um, I feel like a lot of people are used to like very true modulation pedals, right? like a vibrato pedal. You've got a depth and mm-hmm. 
you've got a mix and okay, but like the fact that this seems to do different things yeah. with the controls is something that people aren't always expecting, like the way it blends and the... Because there's no labels on the knobs as well, I think that right <laughs> weird some people people get really funny about that sort of stuff uh yeah if, if a knob isn't labeled but but they also get weird if it is labeled and it's very true like simon <laughs> yeah a flourishing control people lose yeah. Their shit. <laughs> yeah 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 it has to be tone isn't <laughs> there like a new a new strymon pedal or something has like the wonk knob <laughs> or something oh like yeah that. yeah does yeah. it genuinely i'm sure it I'm does sure yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 i want it i was it this? It's I don't know. It was like somebody's new pedals Something has like, like a yeah. yeah. knob. Yeah, mm. um, I've said it before, but like I love that shit. I love when something is like Champion Lecky's control descriptions are just awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it, and like even on like Tides, there's the moisture control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it gives people a different perspective on what that control is doing, even though. In a lot of ways, you could just use a generic term for stuff, but that those terms right. are so inaccurate anyway. Yeah, and same with Slow Loris. Like, it's two controls. It's like you don't need it to. It doesn't have to have the extra. No. Yeah. So, the, and that's kind of something too. Is like I don't label any of my knobs. I should say any mm-hmm. of my controls. Yeah. And like on the Mocking Blur, there's four knobs and a switch. But I kind of. There was a period of time where I was like experimenting with um, like letter stamping mm-hmm. the the controls, like you know, like a hammer was like a, them. you know, um, that didn't really work. And with the way I do my finishing, that didn't really translate, and it never looks that good. And also, like Fairfield does that, and I feel like they've got they've got the market on that. Like they figured out how to do that. So it looks awesome and it yeah. looks consistent and it's mm-hmm. readable. I couldn't get it to that point. I, I think it was a, an interview with, um, with Oliver from death by audio. I heard at one point where he was talking about how, like the aesthetic of their pedals is specifically designed to make people want to play with them. You know, big knobs and different knobs and at that point it almost like yes their controls do things but like more than anything they just want people to start twisting and turning stuff and figuring out whatever weird sounds they can come across or like maybe in some cases they don't make any sound or they make (laughs) nasty weird unusable sounds but they've got switches and knobs and like they're all interesting and cool and like kind of fallen on that side with my own pedals in that like play with them it's like like what we're saying like it doesn't matter what if a control is called moisture or wonk or whatever it is <laughs> or like champion lucky is a great example because like their knobs are just labeled like gibberish half the time right yeah. basically <laughs> and it's like so it doesn't really matter it's like you want to find the sweet spot and like part of what's so great about pedals now is so many people are building these things are creating so many like legitimately really interesting sounds like you kind of just want to like the exploration of the pedals and the sounds is kind of part of the experience yeah i've got shelves of boss pedals <laughs> i love boss pedals and like if i'm playing my 5150 and i need a boost pedal i'm gonna grab the super overdrive yeah that's what it is right it's yeah. like there, there's a place for that you know there's a I think there's more interesting places that we can go now and like it's 
stuff like a moisture control or like whatever. It's like you got to dig in and you, there's no surprises in a super overdrive. It's a brilliant pedal the way it is, but there's nothing, there's nothing there that you're going to be like, Oh my God, I wasn't expecting <laughs> yeah. that. You know, yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. It's more interesting to me, at least as a creator, like give people the opportunity of like, see what you come up with. You know, like this is your tool now. Explore yeah. it. Give me something interesting and weird. And, and, you know, like the little horse is a great example. Like I've, some people have tagged me in like little recordings and stuff, using it in ways that like, I never, I never would have expected. I mm-hmm. use, I use it for a specific way myself, and, but people are constantly like using it with, Synths and Simon, you and I talked about this a little bit, using it with synths and drum machines and like giving it all these applications that like I didn't expect because I I designed it as a guitar player. Mm-hmm. You know? That's so interesting to me. Like I'm constantly like, yeah, no, do something weird. Let me see what you're mm-hmm. doing. That that that's, inspires me. That's the nice thing about putting it out into the world, right? Is like you send it out there and people will find their weird ways to use it and find ways to destroy sounds or make things beautiful. Or... And like, just, I've, I've, we've talked about this a lot of times, but like for you guys, like seeing people make music with your like devices is like the best thing. Right. And hearing what people do with it. Yeah. It's rad. Mm. Now when people tell me that like, Oh, I wrote this song because of the slow Loris. Like I got the slow Loris and I wrote this part and that became this song. That's, that's wild to me. Mm -hmm. It's so, so cool. I being somebody that has like such a fan of the industry and had that experience with other people's pedals to now have put something out that is giving other people that experience is like, so wild. It's awesome. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's touching and it's extremely validating. Yeah. You know, kind of hard to put into words. Like, <laughs> yeah, that means because, you know, like we all start out, I started out building pedals for myself to just kind of be mm-hmm. like, well, let me see what this is about. Let me see what this is about. I don't have one of these. Let me try and build one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now be in that place where, you know, I won't like name drop, but like, session people are buying two of them because they are using it on too many sessions and yeah, yeah. want to be moving it from pedal board to pedal board. So they want to have rad. more than one. Like that's wild. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, you, you can name drop uh, Simon will just beep it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know who you're talking about. I saw it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's I've talked about it to some people and, and mm-hmm. you know, but I don't, it's, it feels it's so weird. Cool, it feels weird I, to name drop. So it's uh, no. I mean, it's it's not just name dropping though. I think a lot of stuff is because I've had it a few times where uh, you just you have a customer or you, you're interacting with someone that you've like looked up to or you followed their career for however long, and it's like such an odd moment to just see like their name pop up on an order, and you kind of like it's such a strange. Uh, Are you talking I'm about? Not, you talking about? Beep that right out. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. But, I mean, 
I was sat by myself with my, and I listened to that loads as a teenager. And I like was sat with my mate who doesn't listen to that band. And I was like, you are never going to believe who I just got an order from. And it like blew my mind. But I, I've, there's been a lot of stuff and a lot of bands where I've grown up listening to them. And now I talk to them just about like, them asking for my opinion about what pedal they should use for a particular part or something. And it's like, why are you asking me? But it's <laughs> it's so sick. Like it's such a rad. And I think that's what I love about the community. Like you've probably felt the same thing is it's such a, like, it's not just a one way street. There's so much give and take both ways. Like it keeps it exciting. Yeah. And you guys have kind of talked about this with some other people, like the parallels between the pedal scene and like the punk rock scene and the hardcore scene, like growing up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it very much is kind of like that in, um, you know, when you're 16, like the older guys in the scene who are probably only like 19, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, they, yeah, seem exactly, like yeah. they seem like mm-hmm. older and cooler. And like when those guys like in the pit, when your stupid hardcore band is playing, yeah, exactly. you're just like, Oh yeah. man, he danced for our band. Yeah. yeah. And then, and it's like this this guy's got a beard he must be old <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> right but it's it's like that with pedals too like mm-hmm. uh, you know i uh early recently and again i have to thank andy for this but like yeah. you know now met brady from old blood and like we've conversed a little bit and like we did a trade and like you know i sent them pedals and a couple days later like brady emailed me and he's just like hey man just so you know like I haven't gotten to play your pedals yet because everybody in the shop keeps stealing them off my desk and everybody loves them. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, that's, that's awesome. not, that's wild. That's not supposed yeah. to happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I buy your pedals. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. <laughs> right. I saw you guys just put up the two part episode with Ian. So like do what yeah, you're going to do. Right? Yeah. It was long. Good though. Oh yeah, I don't sure think it I was. Yeah, I didn't want to cut anything, and it was just like we had a limit on our upload. I was like, it's gonna have to be two parts. <laughs> Ian, Ian's another one. I mean, he's such a sweet guy that like when he he saw like I think it was um, Graham, the guy that does boring gear reviews. When he yeah, saw that yeah. Low Loris demo, yeah, that was a very he was early like, this one. sounds great. Mm-hmm. I just hit him up, and I was like, I was like, dude. I love your videos. Do you just want a slow Loris? Like yeah, as yeah. a gift, just like as a thank you. And he was like, Oh yeah, totally. He's like, that'd be great. He one sent it to him. And then he was like, Hey, I think we're going to make a video with this. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, I was like, your, your channel has convinced me by who knows how many pedals. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're going to make a video with my pedal? No. No, yeah, that's yeah. not a thing. That, come on. He yeah. was like, no, it's great. And he was just like, he's like, I'm not going to do like a full demo, but he did one of those like, will it shoe gaze? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, will it shoe gaze? I was just like, this is still so, so cool. Like, mm-hmm. they're in my cap, you know. It's the community there, isn't it? It's like, it yeah. is, and people are just so like, I, I don't know if I've just grown up incredibly cynical or maybe it's just because I'm Welsh, but when people are like nice over the internet, I'm always like, surely they want something out of this. There's got to be some, like, they can't just be nice to me. Like, what's that about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what? Yeah. It's such it's such a difficult thing to get my head around initially. Like, especially people like 
has bought stuff in the past for me. It's like for no reason other than just to, to be help nice. out. Yeah, it's so. Yeah. Well, I I had a similar experience like with you actually when you were like, yeah, let's do a trade. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. You make real pedals. Yeah. You're a person no one that makes like, real pedals. <laughs> you make real pedals. Like people buy your pedals. You've made who? How who knows how many tides you've made? Thousands, probably. I mean, I stopped counting. To be fair, but like you stopped. I stopped years ago. Yeah, so I went around to Grindles once, and they were like, "Oh, I just don't count." And I was like, "Oh, okay, so I just won't either." Then it's because it used to really stress me out, and then I was like, "Why am I?" getting stressed about something that doesn't really matter i'm just gonna just let it do its thing like i can i could count them if i wanted to yeah i mean mine's they're all the serial numbers so Mm. but you know that was a huge thing and then like same with um same with alec you know pretty early on he just kind of gave me some tips when with Mm -hmm. some stuff i was struggling with and then like and he put out the neck brace the slow lores hadn't taken off yet, so I couldn't board it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I hit him up and I was like, dude, this sounds awesome. Like, I hope I'll, I'll, I can grab one from the next batch or whatever. He's like, just trade me a slow lores for it. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, are you serious? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'll do that. You know, like, that's, that's always surprising from that same thing with like, you know, that, that like, you're, you do, you're this, no, like, you, I like your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> You have like you done any stuff. trade shows yet? That's really oh. difficult. Like you have to be like, right, I'm only selling stuff today. And I try to do it. And as soon as someone talks to me, I'm like, oh, I'll trade you for it. It's like, <laughs> you know, as soon as you've got that and someone's in front of you and they've got it. Um, Cause the indifferent engine, do you follow them on no, Instagram? They do like 3d printed. They do like this. It's like a tape delay that uses like a little cassette, like an actual cassette deck thing to do the delay i actually i i know the one you're talking about yeah uh but they were tabling next to me and it was like as soon they were like oh i can't quite like this tides and i was like i'll trade you one <laughs> right now <laughs> you just have it just give me one of them so a little bit of my past before i got into doing pedals um really pandemic kind of killed this but like i was in comics self-publishing indie comics for handful of years. So like the show environment I'm pretty familiar with, Mm -hmm. even though the scale is a lot different. So I'm really curious to see how the kind of the pedal show thing ends up differing from the comic show. I I used to do the exact same thing. Uh, I used to do like zine fairs and stuff. So uh, before I was building pedals, I did like an illustration degree and that is what I thought I was going to do but then decided I didn't want to do it anymore. But I mean, it's basically the same thing, I think, just that it's a bit easier to have someone put headphones on and play your pedals and then talk about the pedals than it is to have someone flicking through zines in silence with you sort of <laughs> sat in front of them with folded arms, whatever. It's right. like, it's a bit when less. you're just kind of like, let me know if you have any questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's such an awkward thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit less weird, I think, in the pedal uh, field, because at least you can just t- talk about it. You know, you can twist stuff and be like, "Look, it does this." It's like, yeah, I just I did that one at CME, and I tabled for electronic audio experiments, and hey. it was really, really fun. Really mm. fun. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, was, uh, were you exhausted afterwards, though? I was fucked. I was there for 13 mm. hours, and I, because of the people that were there, I was like, cool, I'm basically seeing 75% of people, the people I know, in one room for one day, mm. <laughs> plus explaining what a longsword is to everyone that walks through the door. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it was, so now, it was fun. picture that for three days straight with like 100,000 people coming through the door. Holy and that's shit. what, like, <laughs> like, well, you you live in Chicago. I yeah. I did C2E2, the big Chicago sh- comic show, oh, yeah. a couple times. And, like, at the end of that third day, you are host. Yeah. Like, just straight. Because also, every day, you're seeing all these people you haven't seen for years or yeah. months. And you're all hanging out all night, late nights, talking, shouting. Yeah. I'll drink, but there's a lot of drinking. You know, and it's, yeah, it's, it's intense. But it is satisfying though. It's like weirdly, I mean, it's just a nice thing, isn't it? Having everyone in like one room. Yeah. Mm. I did lose my yeah, I, yeah, I'll say that like, not that it was even um, a possibility that I would go to the Chicago one. Mm. But when I saw everybody there, it was kind of like, ah, I kind of wish I, like, I really kind of wish I was there. Like, it just seems like it. <laughs> It just seems like a really a great time. Yeah, you know, it was fun. Um, That's how I feel every time I see the relic events. I'm just like, oh, I should have, I should have gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend that lives here now in Albuquerque, but he's from New Jersey. Yeah, um, he's okay. never gone to like the relic events, but he'll go back home to like visit his dad. Mm-hmm. Then he'll go to relic and just send me pictures of all this awesome stuff they have in relic. <laughs> And like it's silly stuff. Like they've got one of those old 200 watt high watt heads. Oh yeah. And he like, I don't know, sent me a picture one time of him playing like a black math through the high watt. And he's like, this sounds pretty good. <laughs> I was like, shut up, dude. <laughs> like, yes, obviously it sounds pretty good. You're playing through a 200 watt seventies high watt head <laughs> with this gnarly fuzz. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. funny. Sure. <laughs> so Simon, if I can flip this and ask you something. Sure. Oh, shit. <laughs> you obviously, you know, you come from the studio background, like you use a lot of pedals. Mm-hmm. But has building ever been something that you've been interested in? Building or designing? Because like, obviously, you know, people that build and design pedals is like a collaboration, something you've ever been interested in? Yeah, I've got like, so I got a few different thoughts on it, right? One of my thoughts has always been, just let the experts do it but then i've got a list of ideas of just things that i've like one i like wished existed and i can't find so i've got a Mm -hmm. few ideas and then i did build some like during like 2020 i built some kits i did like a couple of god city kits which i actually use one of those a lot the murdoch murdoch plus Mm -hmm. i use that all the time like for the kind of HM2 thing. I that's the thing. Like I've thought about doing it and I would like to get into it. And I like I know how to solder, like I've done a lot of soldering with my studios and like I've repaired stuff. But yeah, no, I, I I would like to try it. A collaboration would be really fun. I've always thought that would be a fun thing to do. We've talked about it a few times for like a holy island tunnel of reverb thing. Yeah, they'll definitely do it at some point. Because we've got the name, and I think the name would work really well. So, 
Oh yeah. What's her name? Tunnels. Uh, it's just going to be like essentially like a clean version of Tides, but with um, <clears throat> uh, a delay, like a separate delay that can either go in front or behind. So the order it toggle is toggling <clears throat> where the delay is in the chain. That's what I'm thinking at the minute. Okay. But it's mostly just because I want to use the name Tunnels. <laughs> Have you ever thought about doing a nastier version of Tides? Um, yeah, I guess I've thought about it. in there instead of a. Uh... It's, people are already like, oh, it's quite noisy when it's like this, and I'm like, well, that's the fucking point. Like, it's <laughs> you're putting distortion after a reverb. Of course, it's going to be noisy. Like, well, so like I'll say for my part, like you know, I love the tides. Like I've used oh. it in little demos and stuff, but like yeah. there is a part of me that just knowing everything else you've built. I was kind of expecting Tides to be a little wilder. A lot of people say that when I when I bust really? out, people yeah. are always like, "Oh, it's not as nasty as I thought it was going to be." Yeah, That's and it's interesting. And it, I think part of it too is because like the way you demo it, the way you play, the gear you mm. demo it with, gives it a little bit more of an edge than most people are gonna have. Yeah, like, I think it's volume as well. I was like, I was like, oh, I can see can see the the real use here and it sounds great like throwing it like before a fuzz and it's it's a huge atmosphere builder right mm. but part of me was like expecting it to get like nasty mm. well i mean i've also got plans for a tides deluxe which i've been putting off because i want to get other stuff finished first but it would be quite interesting to go down the ranker route I mean, it's easy for me to, to add that side of stuff. It's just harder to market. But then maybe it's not. Maybe it would actually be easier to market, you know, because you just scare off all the losers and it just leaves all the fucking hardcore yeah. people left. I mean, you just took, like, one of your nastiest pedals and put yeah. two of them in a box and sold that. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, true. no one complained. So, yeah. <laughs> and not only did no one complain, but people were excited. Yeah, yeah, very true. Cut uh, your ass. Damn. <laughs> you know? I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Have you played them? Have you played the Beholder, the EAE? No, reverb? no, I haven't. I feel like that is like a weirder Tides. It's like a darker, more blown out version. Maybe that's why I feel like a bit. Whatever. I think as well as like I stack so much stuff in front of the tides. So if it's any more wild, like it can't. So I've always got an overdrive on at all times. I've always got the rusty box on whatever I'm doing. So it's already like pretty pushed. And then I've got it right at the end of the signal as like just like a just to make everything bigger. It's not really acting as a reverb or anything like that. So. I'm. I tend to be pushing it from the front rather than using it to do the pushing. Um, mm. I think that's that's what I think about it. But then I've got like I've got about three or four designs that are basically finished. I just need to figure out how I'm going to do the marketing bit. Um, but yeah, that's. I was just going to say it's just when you like think about stuff so much that it gets to the point where you're like, okay, yeah, it's done. And then I'm like, but is it done? Like, could it be better? And it just never ends. So at some point, you just have to, like, cap it and be like, okay, I feel that's like a thing. That's when the prototype arrives in my mailbox. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I need to I feel, that to you today, actually. I was going to try and be, like, the one person on your podcast that didn't bring up John Snyder. <laughs> yeah. I was having a conversation with John about the Loris because 
Loris is a little dirty. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, if you push it, if you have hot pickups, it gets crackly and it gets kind of nasty. Yeah. Um, and the mocking blur is the same way. It's a yeah. different preamp structure, but it does a, a similar thing. Um, and he and I were having this conversation about how sometimes it, it's okay to just let the thing be the thing. Because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, the tides is what it is. And in some ways, when you kind of deviate from that, out of even just out of experimentation, sometimes you just kind of lose thing. Yeah. You lose what it is. And like I've experimented with a clean version of the slow loris, and I've experimented with a clean version of mocking blur, and they just don't do the thing. Mm-hmm. And I there there might be a market for it. Because, you know, I've had people message me or send me emails and being like, my slow loris is distorting. Is there something wrong with it? And they'll send me audio clips mm-hmm. and it's just doing what it does. Yeah. Yeah. The pedal makes some noise. The pedal is part of what it does. And so there's a there's potentially a market there for somebody that wants one part of the pedal doesn't want what comes with it mm-hmm. and it's kind of like one of those things where it's like you kind of got to take the good with the bad thing yeah and in the case of the tides like yeah you could make different version of the tides that has a cadaver in it instead of mm-hmm. like you know that drive circuit and yeah but then it's maybe not the tides anymore it's True. maybe something else yeah. right and and for me it's like i modded one of my very first mocking blur prototypes and put a clean clean switch on it mm-hmm. um and it was interesting but the second i tried it out i was like well this works but i it's just not, not that interesting yeah. it's just not that yeah. exciting anymore it like loses the spark of what yeah, makes that magic thing isn't it yeah cool. yeah the preamp is really cool in Mockingbird. I found I've just been like sort of learning it and prepping for the demo, and uh, I've just been trying different pedals in front of it, and it's really cool being able to turn it on and get like a whole shift of tone rather than just doing the delay modulated thing. I'm like, okay, I can really turn this on for like the fuck you part of the song. Like it's like <laughs> it's like hefty when it's set a yeah. certain way. It's really, I think. It's way more interesting like that for for me anyway. I can't remember who who was talking about. It's someone from an interview who was talking about like when you kick on a pedal, you want to feel like you've really kicked something on. Like mm-hmm. if it's just this like subtle thing to, to my well, the way that I approach stuff uh, like playing guitar and stuff, I want it to feel like a dramatic shift and stuff. So I, I, I guess mm-hmm. having that, it's just a, an extra characteristic of putting that circuit into your signal chain, isn't it? it is, yeah. You want to feel it when you kick it. And and that's something else that I've kind of thought about, at least, because now that mm-hmm. I'm building these, getting ready to release them, I've been testing them so much. Yeah. And just listening to it so intensely rather than, because for months I've had one on my board and I've just been listening to it and using it in the midst of all this cacophony of everything else I have going on, mm-hmm. you know, I, like you, I always have an overdrive on I usually have at least one, if not two delays on I've got modulation 
and delay before and after fuzz. Mm-hmm. And it, my board is a mess of noise. Yeah. So throwing that in, in the middle of it does a very specific thing. And that's how I've been hearing that pedal for months. Yeah. Now that I've been listening to it over and over and over again, in isolation started to have that thought of like, oh, maybe the preamp is a little too aggressive. Maybe the tonal shift is a little too harsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I could smooth it out. Maybe, but then going back to the the previous thing is like, well, this is what it does. Yeah, yeah. And like I designed it to do this, and the only reason I'm second guessing it now is because I'm sitting there listening to only the pedal by itself, yeah. usually through headphones, over and over, like thirty times over. When you're test yeah. testing, is the worst for that, and you start hearing stuff, and it's almost like phantom issues that aren't really an issue at all but it's just because you're listening to something on repeat and you're hearing the tiniest fluctuations and things yeah and it's it's a, sometimes it's as simple as like playing a different guitar mm-hmm. has yeah. hotter pickups all of a sudden i'm just like yeah ooh, this one sounds dirtier sounds well no i'm just hitting <laughs> it with more signal that's how yeah. i designed the pedal yeah, and yeah, i'm yeah. having to like remind myself like no you designed it to do this thing <laughs> Mm. it's, it's, trust, it's trusting yourself isn't it to just be like yeah. no i've i have developed this intentionally this is how what i settled on it's such an odd day i guess it's a human trait to, to second guess yourself like that but um you've just got to trust that your past self was <laughs> doing it right i don't know yeah yeah, yeah well you know part of that too is like i said the lore's changed everything with how mm-hmm. i have to do this Mm. Um, in the past, like when I launched the business, I did build to order. I'd put up five pre-order slots essentially. And I never had to worry about selling out because yeah. I'd sell one or two a month. You know, the most popular pedal I had previously was Goblin Shark. Yeah. Which did pretty well, but that still only sold roughly one a month. You know, maybe one and a half a month if you want to do the math exactly. <laughs> um, but so when I did the slow loris, when the the first drop of slow loris is, I was like, all right, well, people seem kind of excited about demos that I've been posting. I think there might be some might be some legs here. I'll do ten pre order slots instead of five. See how this goes. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I sold out. I sold out of those ten slots in the first day. Yeah, which like. You know, it was maybe like eight hours. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Told yeah 10 yeah. pedals in eight hours. Like, this is insane. And mm-hmm. then I was like, well, I guess I got to start building these pedals. <laughs> and I, yeah. you know, I did 10 of them. And I was like, well, if I want these. I guess I'll do and more. And then I, I actually, that second batch, I did 13 because the trades and other stuff. Oh, I see. I, I, or something. It was so it was so silly. It was like a little internal thing, but like I wanted to hit thirty, so I did yeah. thirteen. I didn't. I told everybody it was ten, but I sold thirteen. I sold thirteen in a little over an hour. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, okay, <laughs> there's some legs here." Mm-hmm. I built those ten. I was like, "All right, next batch, I'll do 20. Clearly some people want them. So I was like, yeah. I'll do 20. And I was like, all right. And I told every, like I told everybody in the post, I was like, this could take me a couple weeks to build. Like, you know, cause mm-hmm. I have a day job. Like this isn't my full-time job. And like, 
And then I sold 20. Simon, this would have been your batch. I sold 20 in like 17 minutes. (laughs) I was like, I was like, what is going on? And then I was like, okay, I can't need to keep building these, but I can't just take the orders and then build them because like now enough people know about it that like, they're kind of expecting a little bit of a quicker turnaround, which is fine with me because like, I do not want to leave people waiting for a pedal because Mm -hmm. I don't want to wait for a pedal once I've paid for it. But like the analog man thing of like, you sign up for the King of tone and in five years you might get to buy one. I think I just feel guilty that whole time. I still do it now when I'm taking pre-orders. I feel like I'm like getting a loan off people. I'm like, yeah, I feel yeah. like I've got to apologize or something. It's like, I'm totally going to do it. I know my, I'm going to build them, but. Yeah. Mm. But just knowing myself, that also just adds too much stress to me. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm just sitting there being like, people are waiting for these. I got to do this. I got to do this. Like <laughs> and it's just, yeah. it's, it's bad for my brain. So I don't, I was like, I can't do it like this. So Next batch of slow lore says, I was like, all right, I'm do 45. And I was like, but I'm going to like half build them. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to get all the boards pretty much ready to go. I won't worry about the enclosures. Cause like I might not sell 45 because realistically mm-hmm. we all know that there's a ceiling on pretty much everything. Yeah. And at that point it was pretty, it was still pretty new. You know, I had only done like 50 slow lorises roughly. So I didn't know. You know, maybe the ceiling for these would have been 60 and I would have sold 10 of these. And then if I had all those enclosures sitting around, well, what am I doing with those enclosures? They're just taking up space. Yeah. I built the boards, didn't do any of the enclosure stuff. Would have been the fourth batch, the fourth batch of 45 sold 20 pedals in two minutes. And then it 30 pedals at about five minutes. And then it took about 45 minutes to finally sell out. And at that point I was like, even this, like having the boards built but not assembled, yeah, it's too much stress. Yeah, because like yeah. I sold forty-five pedals. Three days later, somebody messaged me to be like, "How come this hasn't shipped yet?" Oh, I was like, yeah, yeah. "It's not built yet." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not Amazon. I just put everything in capitals now, being like, "This is a pre-order. Please, <laughs> right. don't expect it to ship." Yeah, so I still, I still get like, the messages though. <laughs> With, yeah, you always will, right? Like, but, so with the mocking blur. So basically, at that point, I was like, I was like, from now on, I, I can only sell pedals that are built, because I would also get, you know, in that batch of forty-five slow lores pre-orders, there would be one or two other people that would order a slow lores and something else, and just for my own workflow, then I had to like either leave them for the very end because I was in the, like so focused on building the slow lorises that I couldn't, it was just like threw a wrench in the works too much yeah. to like change gears and build this totally other thing in the middle. And I was like, I can't do that. It's just, it doesn't work for me. So I changed my whole production path, I guess, production method. So like now only, yeah. only built pedals are sold. If I don't have it built, if it's not on the shelf, it's not being sold. So did the water bear like that, but that was still only 10. Cause I was like, this is 
new pedal, but it's also a fuzz pedal. It's also kind of weird. I don't know what the market for this is going to be. Yeah. Some people are definitely going to want it, but I don't know how many. So I can't take a chance and do 30 of this because they might not sell. Um, the Mockingblur doing a fairly large initial drop. So yeah. that's part of why I'm getting so in my head about it because doing all this testing with almost no feedback. <laughs> yeah. But the Loris is when I was doing all the testing of 45 pedals, enough people already had them. I kind of knew I had a quote unquote hit on my hands. Mm-hmm. I wasn't worried about like, Oh, yeah. this one, mm, I don't know. The circuit's a little dirty. It's a little, this It's a little that whatever, because they were selling, they were sold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have that worry. And like this time it's just because like building up that stock, the shelves yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't know if they're going to sell pretty mm-hmm. sure they're going to do okay. But like, yeah. you know, yeah. there's that. You're taking a risk, like building it up and you're paying up front for the parts and knowing that if they don't go, they'll be sat there. It is, it feels, ri- I mean, it probably isn't riskier to be honest, because I don't know. It's, it's just, it's putting down the initial payment. You are putting yourself on the line because you're putting mm-hmm. your uh, money where your mouth is, really, aren't you? Uh, you have to trust in your capability to be able to market a new design to your audience. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, um, unsurprisingly, uh, I'm the only person a lot of my friends know that make pedals. So I very frequently get asked, like, are you going to quit your day job? When are you going to make this your full time, this and that and all that. And not in any rush to do that for Mm -hmm. several reasons. Um, One of them being that just like, I've seen so many people, whether it be in music, comics, even pedals a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, have a big hit and then the bottom falls out. Yeah. And, you know, they might have a hit record and get to tour and like, that's their job for a couple of years, or they've got a hit book and like, they're selling tens of thousands of copies and that's, you know, they're making a ton of money in the short term. Yeah. Then there is no guarantee that it's going to maintain. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee that that success will be repeatable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am constantly aware of that. You know, um, I have people that are just like, no, you can do this. It's fine. You'll do this and you'll do that. And I'm just kind of like, no, happy doing it the way I'm doing it now. I have security the way I'm doing it now. And realistically, if I put out a pedal that is a dud, I don't have to worry if I'm going to be able to pay my rent. Yeah. You know, and at least right now. Yeah. I love one of the things I love about building pedals is the craftsman aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I like building, I like soldering. I like sitting and doing the assembly line. I like doing the enclosures. I like doing the painting. I like doing the finishing, like, like being a part of the whole process. I don't want to just run a business, you know, no shade to people that like are making it their business and people that like use contract manufacturers to like, their whole production line and, you know, do hundreds or even thousands of pedals at a time. No shade to that at all. That's 
fireable. And if that's how you want to do it, that's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Hey, take your money, like do it that way. But like, it's so important to me to maintain that hands-on aspect of it. Yeah. You no, know, I don't, could it, could it get to the point like, you know, Andy and I have kind of talked about it. Could the Loris get to the point where I kind of have to do like what Zvex did with like, they've got their hand painted version and they're, they've got their cheaper cream yeah. printed version. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's not at that point yet. Right. And if it gets to that point, cross that bridge when I come to it. Um, for now, it's so important for me to like maintain the way I do it. Um, and I feel like I've gotten a little off track from the whole no, like, I mean, building a business thing. But like, I don't want to just be a guy that runs a business. I want to be a guy that builds pedals. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of like reflects, like it's the impression that I get of the company anyway. You know, it looks like you've been making these things by hand, like they've all been finished by hand. Like that's part of the identity of what, what you're doing really. Like it kind of is at the center of it. Um, that even down to the way that you, uh, you know, put paint on the enclosures, it's very much been done by hand. Like that's, is it like a significant portion of, of the brand? Like it's what makes it special to people, I think. Absolutely. And I'm very cautious about losing that aspect of it Mm -hmm. because I think my aesthetic and the handmade nature of it is a real selling point for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, It hasn't happened in a while, but when I was kind of first starting out and every once in a while, somebody would like come across a page or an Instagram page or a Facebook group or something. Yeah. Mm. They would be like, I love your aesthetic. I'm not really a big fuzz guy or mm-hmm. not really a big whatever person. Do you have anything kind of like this? Or I had a guy pretty early on that was like loved my aesthetic and he would just hit me up and be like, Hey, I want you to build me something that's like your take on a companion fuzz. Okay. Or yeah. your take on a buzz around because of the aesthetic and because of the kind of handmade nature of it, that's really attractive to some people. And I think losing that eventually is doable. Yeah. But no. do, do you re- do you think that that is quite a prominent aspect of what you do because of if you've been involved in like you're saying like stalling at comic fairs and stuff that DIY mentality is already in your mind you know so it would only be natural oh, for you absolutely. to apply that into what you're doing and I think that there's a lot of that that just there's an audience that really resonates with the fact and it's kind of reflected in the like you know, the comics industry, or at least the independent comics that that is uh, industry where you've got that direct connection to someone who has made the thing and mm-hmm. you can talk to them about the thing. And I think that is like a really special thing that you probably wouldn't want to let go of. Like, Cause I think, yeah, that no, makes, absolutely. to me, it makes it exciting. Yeah. That's absolutely a part of it. And it's kind of twofold. I'll digress a little bit, but like you guys have seen the Fugazi documentary instrument. I haven't. No. Oh, okay. Simon, you're, you're nodding. So yeah, I've seen that. Well, you should absolutely watch it. Oh yeah. But, I didn't realize there was one, but yeah, I, I love yeah. Fugazi. So in, in the documentary, they're like sitting around a table and they're talking about how they want to go 
tour Alaska. And they're like, okay, so if we want to go do Alaska, it's going to be $1,500 per person, something. I don't yeah. know. I don't remember the number, yeah. but it was like that. One of the guys, not in the band, but one of their like crew guys was like, okay, so if we're going to do that, then like we're, we're on the hook for that. Like we got to pay for some of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think Ian was like, no, we, if we want to do that, we're, we have to pay for it. And the next, they just cut to the next scene and they are in Alaska. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And growing up in the DIY hardcore scene and the punk scene, like that resonated with me so intensely. Mm. Just like, if you want to do this thing, you do this thing, whether that's putting a book out, putting a record out, recording a demo, like building a pedal, like want to do this thing, you do this thing. Yeah, and I mean, people like Ian Mackay sort of pave that pathway as well. Like, when you see someone Absolutely. having that impact on the world and knowing that it's come out of just one person's determination is, like, it, it's really, like, uh, sort of empowering to make you... It, you can apply it to anything, really, as well. I think that's the exciting part. Uh, yeah. E- even so though you've obviously got the natural music connection there, but... Right. Well, so the second part to that that I have also always been a person that like, if I'm going to do the thing, I'm going to do the thing as well as I possibly can. Yeah. So seeing people's like DIY pedal projects, just, you know, taking the enclosure and taking a Sharpie and writing the control names on it or the label maker thing or like whatever it is. No, again, you're learning how to build pedals. Like I'm not expecting everybody to be an artist. For me, I could never do that. Because if I'm going to use something, like I'm not going to buy a pedal if I don't like how it looks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to no, use it. It's massively pedal. important. It's so important. I'm not going to use, like I've had pedals that I love how they sound, but if I don't like looking at them, I will never put them on my board because every time I see them, I will think this looks bad. <laughs> not, oh, I can't wait to play this oh, pedal. Yeah. It feeds into the performance that like, you wouldn't go and see a band and close your eyes. Like it's, Music is is a visual thing. Like yeah. as much as people yeah. don't want to admit that a lot of the time, it yeah. if it doesn't look right, it's like when you go and see a band like a place to bury strangers, the fact that like the setup on stage is so uh exciting to look at is almost as enjoyable as the music, you know? It's like and almost like if they were playing the exact same set, I don't think I'd be as excited if I wasn't seeing what I was seeing in front of me. Yeah. yeah. So when I started building pedals, I knew that if I built something I liked, I had to make it look like something I wanted to play. Yeah. So ending up with this, the like my enclosure fishing style was all basically because initially I needed to make pedals that looked like pedals I wanted to play. And like mm-hmm. I wanted, if I had them on my board, I didn't want to look down and be like, ugh just wrote on that thing with Sharpie. It looks stupid, (laughs) you know? And, but because I kind of took the extra step just with my own stuff, I started posting on, you know, Fuzztopia Facebook group or whatever, posting my own builds. Yeah. Already looked quote unquote professional pedals. Cause I was already taking that extra step, even though I was literally only building one thing at a time for me. Yeah. It was important to me because like, I never understood I mean, I guess it's a little bit of pride, but when people would like post their kit builds. They literally just like bought a kit, put it together, and then put it in a blank enclosure. Okay. 
you bought something great. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, you didn't. Yeah, yeah you accomplished I mean, something, and like that's that's meaningful. Mm. But, but like you got to, I don't know. Like you got to do something worth bragging about if you're going to brag about it. Maybe that. <laughs> Maybe that's a little like high and mighty of me, but like I think it's just coming from the art world. That tends to be like a pretty big factor, or at least like coming from thinking about stuff from a graphic design perspective. Yeah, that does because I think I built one <laughs> pedal that wasn't printed, and I've printed pretty much everything since then. But that's just because you know that's that's how I that's what I enjoy like that's what gives me joy in life is making artwork putting it on yeah. little metal boxes and but I mean not everyone also, wants you, to do that you, I guess yeah you have an illustration degree yeah right? <laughs> so you went to art school so yeah. you have absolutely had professors tear your work apart yeah I guess yeah as <laughs> yeah. I have right yeah so like I think that also instills a level of like professionalism Mm, yeah. in, in like and maybe not but i i think it did for me in that like i've had my work torn off the wall by <laughs> an art professor because it yeah. wasn't up to snuff and like at the time i was like that person's a fucking asshole and you know what <laughs> they were but they were also right yeah yeah because like what that instilled in me was like fucking bring your a-game mm, yeah you know, we had a few lectures like that as well yeah you know, like you shouldn't be putting out anything that you're not like, all right, I, I did my best here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I brought this to the level that like, it needs to be. And you know, that again, that goes into art. It goes into music. Like, you know, if you record a demo, it sucks. Like nothing is more of a turnoff to people. You to put something out and be like, Oh yeah, it's terrible. You shouldn't yeah, listen to yeah. it. Well, if I shouldn't listen to it, then why did you put it out? Yeah. Hmm. You true. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got to be excited about if you want people to be excited about stuff, you have to be at least excited about it yourself. Or <laughs> yeah. it's a fucking hard sell otherwise. Yeah, and I've you know, I've known a lot of people at various levels of like the comic industry too, and like the same deal, like people that are constantly extremely self-deprecating, it's just like, nah, man, like we're trying to make this your job. <laughs> Tell yeah. people that you are worthy of this being your job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm not even trying to make pedals my job. <laughs> it's so just important to me that it. like I take myself seriously so other people take me seriously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't expect other people to respect what you're doing unless you respect it yourself. I, I think right. that's what I learned in art school at least, but then I mean I also learned well, I don't know if it's something that I learned, but it's something I decided was that if someone is criticizing something that I do and I am not a fan of what they do, it doesn't bother me. Like it used to bother me, but I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like if you don't like it, if anything, I'm doing something right. Like that's, right. I don't know. Yeah. It's not, the, it's not, nothing is for everyone. And you know, like when we first got on this call, you know, you said something about like, us being people that make like weird pedals right? mm. and like, yeah, like <laughs> this little horse isn't for everybody and that's okay. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to be. And it shouldn't be the mm-hmm. abracadabra is not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not, it's, it it's, is not. it's nasty. And I love it. I love having it. And I, when I, 
play with it, it i'm just like oh this is so cool but it's not for everybody or mm-hmm. should it be yeah, yeah yeah that's that's totally okay you know and that goes into music pedals art like whatever mm-hmm. i uh for a while drawing and illustrating a lot of like corpses and skeletons and stuff mm-hmm. and just putting them yeah, on shirts like in my threadless store you know yeah. dripping oh, yeah. mark riddick kind of corpse stuff yeah i had a friend yeah, yeah, yeah. that I had a friend who was a coworker and, and she was like, she was like, yeah, I had to like hide you on Instagram. Really? <laughs> I was like, I was like, why? She was like, it's, it's too scary. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's fair. You know, Same. I love her to death. She's, yeah. she's a close friend of mine. She probably still has me hidden on Instagram, but like, perfect. I was like, that's fine. I'm drawing corpses with their guts hanging out. That is not for everyone. Yeah. yeah you don't want to play it safe when you're a corpse drawer. I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's something we can all agree on. If, <laughs> if my mum would like to look at it, then I don't want to make it. Like, it's pretty good rule to yeah. uh, to play by. Slow Tides, like, fucking shit. killed it. Now that's a fucking Yo, shit. That's, that's such a good idea. name, yeah. <laughs> well, let me write uh, that down. Yeah, I'm going to cut that <laughs> yeah. off because I need you to make that. Mm. I was gonna say yeah. for those of you listening, Simon's eyes just went wide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, yeah, I want that pedal. Just sort, sort just, that out, yeah. Sort okay, that out. Yeah. yeah, we'll do that. Between two of you. And, you both but, have my address. <laughs> and if if people aren't aware of non-human audio, where's the best place to to find what you're doing? Like what's give us those socials. Right. Okay, so um I am at that Dave Jordan everywhere. Um, so Instagram is the best place to keep up with pretty much everything I'm doing. Um, I am on the site formerly known as Twitter. I don't post there very often. Um, I am on blue sky all under the same name. Like which again, goes back to like the comics thing is like, I learned pretty early on that. Like you just want people to know what your name is and make it easy yeah. to find. Yeah. Um, as I never really anticipated of to like make this a business, um, I'm just under my name, because um, that's how you can find me, and you know you can search non-human audio and you'll still find me. The big cartel is just nonhumanaudio.bigcartel.com. Uh, I think even if you just put in nonhumanaudio.com, you'll still probably get there. I have a mailing list you can sign up for, which I try and send out like one a month. Of just kind of this is what's coming out and when it's coming out. I'm on YouTube, just where I put demos and stuff like that. So that's pretty much it. Find it. me online, baby. It's the worldwide. Yeah. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's yeah, been cheers, awesome. Dude. It's the it's worldwide. worldwide.